0: Welcome to the Badass CEO Podcast. This is Mimi McLean. I'm a mom of five, entrepreneur, Columbia Business School grad, CPA, and angel investor. And I'm here to share with you my passion for entrepreneurship. Throughout my career, I have met many incredible people who have started businesses, disrupted industries, persevered, and turned opportunity into success. Each episode, we will discuss what it takes to become and continue to be a badass CEO, directly from the entrepreneurs who have made it happen. If you're new in your career, dreaming about starting your own business, or already an entrepreneur, the Badass CEO podcast is for you. I want to give you the drive and tools needed to succeed in following your dreams. Before I get started, I wanted to talk to you about accounting and bookkeeping. As you may know, I'm a CPA, and this is a topic that still makes my stomach turn. However, I found a company that does it all for you at a super reasonable price. They do your bookkeeping and tax returns with ease. I couldn't believe how easy it was to get my books up to date, actually, because they were a little behind, and how inexpensive it was, too. To learn more about it, go to thebadassceo.com forward slash bench. With that link, you receive 30% off your first three months. So definitely check them out and save some stress this year. Hi, welcome back to the Badass CEO. This is Mimi. And today we have Rebecca Allen and she's an ex-finance employee at Goldman Sachs that saw a need for high quality nude pumps that were inclusive of all skin colors and decided to create the change. She founded the self-titled leather shoe company using all women based team with ethical sourcing, and with the goal of empowering women to feel confident and comfortable. She spent time scouting swatches and talking to friends and families to make sure the shoes complemented a wide range of skin tones. Her brand is exponentially growing and has an upcoming partnership with Nordstrom's. To get your top 10 tips every entrepreneur should know, go to the slash tips. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to learn about your company, Rebecca Allen, and your journey to entrepreneurship. I know at a business school, you had a great job at Goldman Sachs. And what made you decide to leave and kind of start your own thing? Yeah. Hi, Mimi. Thanks for having me. Uh, So I wore business formal
1: or business casual every day to work like all of my Counterparts in the office. And when I was at Goldman, what I realized looking around the office was that all of my white lady colleagues wore this nude pump because it was really just the most quintessential kind of wardrobe staple. It went with everything in their closet because it just matched their leg and created this kind of seamless finish. And it was the shoe that lived under their desks. And it looked ridiculous on me as a Black woman. And, you know, I felt more than just creating the kind of colorways, that there was really an opportunity to also brand build, you know, to hold black and brown women at the center of a conversation. And so I set about developing the shades and thinking through the styles and all of that. And before I knew it, I had kind of gotten myself to a point where it was like, well, are you going to do it? <laughs> so that was kind of the, <laughs> the tipping point. So you,
0: my- stayed, you stayed working while you re- were researching.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I was, I was really fortunate to have some shoe kind of industry veterans as like a helpful sounding board. So I think I kind of by luck overcame a lot of the kind of early headaches in terms of, you know, sourcing a manufacturer and prototyping and like all of that stuff where... You could certainly hit a lot of roadblocks on the footwear side, but I, I had these little kind of shoe angels to help me <laughs> guide. That's through.
0: awesome. Because so. usually when you have people in an industry and you ask them their opinion, they're the first ones to tell you no. Did you <laughs> get that at all?
1: Like to tell you, no, don't do this? or yes, just because- yes. Yeah, like you're I mean, crazy. You're going up against the giants. You're like, what are you doing? Right. Well, you know, I certainly wish that more people had said that to me, but you know, I think people were like, Oh, you know, happy to be helpful kind of thing. I think what I've found like throughout my career is that I'm always surprised by people who are willing to be helpful in my network. And it's always like an illuminating lesson for me to just kind of share what I'm building or share what I'm working on. Cause
0: you never know who's willing to be helpful. So that was certainly the case with us. Oh, that's that's amazing. Okay, so you got to the point where you have the prototypes, you have your business, you're ready to launch, and then you go into Goldman and you say, "I'm resigning." Is, <laughs> that, is that how this worked? Because that's a scary uh, thing for. I think there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are like, like where you were. You have a job that's well-paying. You have a great idea. You've kind of gotten so far, and at what point do you jump? And at what point do you give up your income? It's a scary right. proposition, right?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think it depends on where you are in your career, and you know, that risk assessment is obviously different for everybody depending on what your situation is. You know, I certainly didn't have like a trust fund to fall back on or you know, anything like that, but I was married at the time, I'm still married, and so you know, I knew that my husband was supportive.
0: You had a place to put your head on the pillow at night.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. But I think I also, you know, and I spend a lot of time like talking to people who are exploring entrepreneurship or who are like asking that question, like, when do I know if it's time or how do I know if I'm ready to take the next step? And I think, and this might be terrible advice, but I think I kind of frame it differently than a lot of people. I think a lot of people think like, oh, well, if I go and do this and I fail, then like, I will never be able to come back from that. And I think that that's very much not true, right? I think that you gain a whole new skill set, you learn a lot, you create a whole new network, right? You meet new people, and that may be what leads to your next thing. You know, I certainly don't think that like every door kind of shuts behind you after that. And so I felt like, well, I could always go back to investment management kind of stuff but maybe this becomes a launch pad for something that I don't even know about if it doesn't work out. So right. I think I think right. about it.
0: So you make ways. your, you make your first shoe. Did you decide to go direct to consumer? Are you going direct to like, did you find retailers to sell it at? What was that process?
1: Out of the gate. So we launched direct to consumer, but we partnered with a bunch of, kind of complementary brands to do offline activations. So if you're familiar with of Mercer, Or Ministry of Supply. Both of those brands make, well, Ministry of Supply also makes menswear, but they both make women's, like biz cash, biz formal attire, and they have physical stores. So we partnered for like shop and shop weekends where I would literally like drive my car and bring like a size run of shoes to set up shop inside their stores in different cities. Or, you know, I'd ship and get on a plane and head there and then really kind of like post up, hand out business cards, you know, the real kind of like man-to-man combat early days, which was, you know, I think I know a lot of kind of early brands in a similar position will do like trunk shows and different stuff like that just to kind of get the word out. And this was great because it was really kind of getting like immediately breaking out of my immediate network to just like kind of meet new folks and share the story. And I think it's obviously so important to meet your customer, especially so early on. So um, yeah, that's
0: so true. Now as far as funding, because I'm sure you needed inventory to show up and sell, did you self-fund it at that point or did you have to do a friends and family? So round?
1: I did a friends and family and I think realized that raising money is <laughs> very hard, especially, you know, for something that's not like venture. Backable, right. And so I raised a little bit of money. I did bring on one institutional investor kind of into launching the business. And then yes, put in some of my own money out of the gate, right? Because shoes is inventory heavy, you know, skew headaches, sizing, all of that. So yeah, you have to be able to.
0: Back that up, and then how has COVID affected it? Have you had to change your strategy? Because obviously, you weren't doing those trunk shows during COVID,
1: right? So we actually we were testing. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about direct sales before we got on the line, and we actually tested uh, direct sales, like a virtual kind of selling cohort with Instagram stories, uh, that was super successful. But we also created our first wholesale relationship. With Nordstrom during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that has been a new channel for us. And we actually just launched formally last week. So that's oh, that's, that's super great. New. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And it was something, you know, I think building the business with Omnichannel in mind out of the gate was something that I felt was just like a sound kind of way to think about margins. And so, you know, being able to say, like, okay, like we could kind of withstand doing wholesale was just a great optionality to have. And so, you know, and I think obviously through the pandemic, as a black owned brand, there has been so much kind of visibility and awareness as as racial justice has been, it just I, I guess has been a Theme that has been yeah. on top of everybody's No, it's mind. like a perfect time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's certainly, we certainly feel a strong responsibility to kind of keep pushing the conversation and really feel like the way, you know, I think when, when I originally thought about the brand, I always felt like black women and women of color were kind of like oversexed in their portrayal in, in media, you know, but also like across brands as well. And I, you know, I felt like, well, you know, like all the kind of, consultants and bankers and lawyers and doctors and all of these kind of professional women. I know like, sure, there's time to be sexy, but like she is also looking for, you know, she also wants to see herself reflected as the kind of professional person that she is too. And so I think holding space for her and kind of this light in which she sees herself and telling her story right through the brand has been something that has really resonated with folks. And through that, we've kind of continued to build this great community around it. And so um,
0: what have you found
1: to be your biggest challenge so far? I mean, aside from raising money, which is hard for everybody and, you know, is, is its own thing. I think managing like minimum order quantities and size distribution, like for footwear is particularly challenging. You know, we kind of, through our orders, would like run out of popular sizes and colors, but like be in this kind of need to kind of like grease the lines to get to that point where we're really able to keep things in a flow and then obviously like introduce new styles and so we're still very new and so we're still like kind of getting to that point but even having a partner like Nordstrom now is allowing us to buy bigger and be able to right. like think like, cut quantity's. up longer and all that
0: Now, thing. what do you wish you had known from the beginning that you would have learned now? <laughs> That's a great question. I saw that on the prompt and I was
1: like, mm-hmm. I think about like like what I tell people now and what I wish I had known was like starting. And I think this is like kind of a cliche. I know people certainly say this to women in particular is like start before you're ready. I think like, like I certainly like so many other founders that I talk to have a tendency to like wait until you have everything kind of perfectly teed up and you want to make sure you did all your homework and that everything is, you know, just so. But I think just like getting into it and iterating and learning is also is something that I wish, you know, like this was an idea that I had percolating for years before I really set it in motion. And so, I think just like
0: Yeah, I love that you do that because I'm I'm actually finishing up a book right now that I'm launching in September, and the theme is, I don't know if you've realized this, but doing this podcast, I realized only 5% of female CEOs ever reach a million dollars in sales. Oh, no, sorry, 1.7%. And only 5% of women are in C-suites and CEO positions in corporate America. Right. And so I kind of dissect, like, why is this? And one of the reasons or one of my chapters is exactly what you're talking about. I think women tend to be perfectionists yeah, right. And so, like they want to make sure the font on their website is perfect. And they want to make sure their packaging and their boxing is perfect. And everything is just so. And then you don't realize that, like, you're only noticing it. Like nobody else nope. that's not going to make or break the sale. Like you got to worry about the sale, not like the font on the website. So I think women and compared to men tend to be a lot more like detail oriented. And get caught up in those details when they should just be going and learning from their customer. Because maybe the font you like is not the font the customer likes, right? You know, and you can get that right? You can like
1: get learn the, from that once you put it out there, right? You don't know, yeah, out exactly. There. Like I wonder. Wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. So you said 1.7
0: percent of women who are CEOs, like entrepreneurs, ever reach a million dollars in reach sales. sales. Did you do any research on? The
1: rate at which women are starting businesses and kind of leaving corporate to do so,
0: no, but it's like a fifty. this came from an American express. American Express puts out a women's like survey, like, every year. So they yeah. it's amazing data. But it's almost half half, like, as far as like women who are starting and men are starting. But I did not see a stats as far as, like, X amount of women. I do what during COVID, a lot of women had to leave their jobs because of taking right. care of their kids. Right. Right. And maybe they became entrepreneurs from that. And, you know, you look at the MLM, like the direct sales market that you're talking right. about, that's a huge opportunity for women who are staying at home with their children to be entrepreneurs. And that's one reason, like looking, you know, I went to business school like you did. You know, we, we both went to Columbia and I did the whole. Did you ever get involved with the whole entrepreneurship, like the Lang Fund and all that? I did, I did, because I actually I had a different business that
1: I pitched and worked on a little bit in business school, and then I got scared and went go.
0: So I did the same thing with a partner of mine. And we made it like at that point you didn't win; it was like a just finalists. Yeah. Um, and so we were one of the finalists, and I really debated. Like I had a job; I could have worked at LVMH at a business school, and I was sitting there like, "What do I do?" I remember just sitting there the night before, like going back and forth, like, "What do I do?" And we, I just, I turned down LVMH. And I went that path instead. So when I got involved with Beauty Counter, I never thought about MLM as like an actual being CEO and entrepreneur. Yeah. And you are the CEO of your own company, right? I mean, you are in a sense, running your own company as like it's it's you're the one getting yourself out of bed every day and making those phone calls and hearing the no and deciding to do it again and again and again. Like nobody else is running that business for you. Yeah. So, that's just another great opportunity, I think, for women. Um, and you know, like for your business to to tap into those women. Yeah. And you don't even need to even go down the whole MLM route, right? You can go down the whole like affiliate route. Like now you could just give yeah. the affiliate networks to, to all these influencers yep. and give them a percentage. You don't have to worry about building the whole channel yeah. for the MLM. Yeah,
1: it's, and it's super easy. And I think like thanks to so- social media, so many folks are. Like, accustomed to it already. Like, it's kind of just, and obviously, there are so many services that are facilitating that. So, yeah, it's great. But I, yeah, I, the reason why I ask about women leaving and starting their own businesses is just because I've been spending a lot of time. I forget what the rate, like, there was some article that I read that was kind of holding up this stat of like Black women starting businesses at like the highest rate of kind of any group. And I think that people are, looking at that as like a great thing and and not really thinking about the causality. And I think like, it's great that women are doing entrepreneurship and through like MLM and, you know, other opportunities, but it's because they had to bear the cost of having like being driven out of the workforce during the pandemic or, you know, the kind of, I think like for a lot of women of color, they're getting pushed out because they're getting passed up for promotion or they're like kind of under constant microaggression that is just driving them. Not, you know, like all these kinds of right. different reasons that people leave. And so it's like, well, you know, is it a good thing or is it a bad? Because entrepreneurship is also really hard, right? It's, and it's really hard for everybody. You- and you having, see the
0: great looking shoes on the thing, but you don't see everything underneath it and all the like everyday, like the, oh my gosh, like, am I going to make it? Am I going to get this right. offer? Am I going to be able to pay for the next inventory or whatever, right? You don't right. see, everyone makes yes. it look super easy. Yeah. And you, and don't you realize, have to, right? You have to yeah. be on social like, oh, this is awesome. You know? <laughs> you don't see the problems but, behind it. No, it is true. Yeah. There are other reasons, I think, why people are probably doing that. But then it's also, I think... Easier time than ever to be your own boss and entrepreneur, right? There's so many opportunities as women and as Black women to get probably funding and financing. Like, I've had people call me and be like, Do you know anybody? Like, because they're like, they need to fill board seats, they're, right. they're under pressure now to their C-suites, their board seats. They're also going back to like that study I was talking about. It said that the returns are double for women versus men for VCs that invest in companies. Yeah, it's yeah. so actually, you get, well, you know, you get right. actually a better return, you know? So yeah. if these men yeah. were listening, they would be investing in more, more women companies because they probably would get a better return. Cause we kind of, I think, stick to it. Think about the details yeah. and probably have yeah. done a lot more research before we jumped into something. Right just better stewards of capital. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's so true. That's so true. Do you have like a morning routine? Like, is there any kind of tips that you would, you know, just kind of balancing it all and being an entrepreneur and keeping things like, do you have a big team? Do you do outsource stuff? Like, what are you doing to kind of keep everything organized and growing?
1: Yeah. So we have a small team. Um, We are five and we definitely outsource and contract stuff. We use I love Upwork. I I use Upwork for lots of like outsourced contracted stuff across the board, like everything from super technical stuff to design stuff. I think Upwork is great. And then in terms of morning routine, so our team is decentralized. We've all continued to work from home. We actually gave, we had an office in Manhattan that we've actually said goodbye to. Um, and now we've got teammates who are in California and in Tennessee. So we're kind of all over the place. I mean, my morning routine, I'm up, I have a toddler. So I like to wake up before her so that I can have like a moment to myself, have a sip of coffee, read a little Bloomberg business week, like whatever it might be, um, get an exercise in and just kind of get set for my day. Like see if there's anything that is in my inbox that needs attention. And then we kind of have Uh, you know, morning time and breakfast time and family time uh, before our day really starts, which is nice. And I think like being able to have some quiet when nobody else is running around in my apartment is really nice. And then I have a touch base with my COO every morning where we're just kind of level setting on anything that we need to be connecting on. And then, you know, I'm a little bit of like a hybrid, like I'm not totally digital, although I have a lot of digital tools that I use to enable work, but I also am a little analog. Like I still like to make lists and like physically cross things off and stuff like that. So I kind of, (laughs) yeah, I kind of live by my little lists and, you know, my Google calendar and then all the kind of G Suite stuff and things that we use at like Airtable and stuff like that too.
0: This has been awesome. Um, Just to wrap up, is there any advice that you would give anybody who is thinking about being an entrepreneur or actually in the in the workforce since you've been in the workforce too and you're working at one of the top companies like to get to the top you know any if someone wants to be a CEO either as an entrepreneur or corporate america is there any advice that you would give you know i think that like working hard is obviously
1: a must but i think that things are not as merit based as people would like to believe often and so i really think that like networking is indispensable and a skill that you can build and i have a lot of a lot of young women who will like say i you know i hate it and i don't want to go and i i don't like it and i kind of fall like i'd put myself in that bucket a little bit too but i'd say flexing that muscle and getting really comfortable there and just like doing the reps is so essential to success, whether you're in a big corporate setting or networking and, you know, having to be kind of scrappy on your own as you build and staying on top of it too, right? Like, Reaching back out to people, keeping folks warm, keeping them abreast of what you're working on and checking in on yeah. them too. Well. I,
0: love, I love this because that's another thing I think that we as women don't do enough of is like networking yeah. and having mentors. So if you don't mind, can we just dive into that just a little bit? Um, oh yeah, yeah. So like if you meet somebody, I'm just kind of thinking like details, right? For people, when you go home, like where do you put that? Like, do you put that in your contacts? Do you have an Excel spreadsheet? Like how are you keeping track of who you're meeting? Oh yeah. So I keep, I file... Emails
1: like with, like, I have like a networking folder in my emails. And so then I will, like, when I say, Oh, you know, Mimi, it was so good to meet you last night at that event, like, would love to get coffee sometime or whatever. Like, I now you kind of live in that networking folder for like investor touch points and like all of that kind of stuff. I keep a spreadsheet where I use like formulas for like when's the last date I was in touch with them for like prospective investors and for current investors and all that kind of stuff. So I know that like I have a cadence for the frequency that I'm in touch. And then I just, I kind of have like my short list of people who I want to make sure I'm keeping them posted Mm -hmm. on stuff. I could probably be like a little more on
0: top of it. But, yeah. Well, if you had I like have. 40 hours in a day, I'd like
1: 24, <laughs> right, okay. right? But I'd say that's like my kind of scrappy way that has been
0: working yep. for me. Yeah. And I think what's really important, I think you touched on this a little bit, like reaching back out and stuff like that. And and this is something I stress too is when you go meet somebody and you're you're trying to build a relationship, don't think of it as like what's in it for you. Yeah. Right? Because it becomes very apparent and, and then it's harder to build that relationship. Even if you're a junior person and you meet somebody who's senior and you find out, you see an article that they may be useful, like forward it to them or do something that makes them be like, oh, she's thinking of me. And it's not just asking for something, or it's not just requesting my time. It's actually like, oh, I'm thinking of you and this might be helpful for you or.
1: Yeah. And I think you, like, you'd be surprised at what you have that is valuable to somebody else too, right? Like I, I introduced Beyonce and Serena Williams publicists to each other. And I was like, I can't believe these two women don't know each other. And I can't believe that I'm the person who's facilitating this intro. That's great. But like, you just never know. It was like, oh, hey, I would love to introduce you too. You know, and then that's something that I didn't even realize could be of value to folks. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) And then it just comes back around. But you exactly. I think being the networker and not just being expected to have someone help you along the way, I think is... Because now, if you have for some reason, ever need either of them for something, you know now you know they're publicists, you know, or you right. like to have the, you have an into them. So yeah, that's that's great advice about the networking piece for either one because you never know who's going to help you or be an investor in your company or whatnot. So, but this is amazing, and i I wish you the best of luck. Um and I love the idea of your company and congratulations on getting into Nordstrom. And so for anybody who is looking to um go online into buy and look at her shoes, it's Rebecca Dash Allen com And she also has an Instagram page that you can follow.
1: Yes. Instagram is Rebecca Allen NY. Uh, yeah. Anything else I forgot? No. Thank you so much for
0: having me. This was great. I really enjoyed the conversation. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Badass CEO. To get your copy of the top 10 tips every entrepreneur should know, go to thebadassceo.com forward slash tips. Also, please leave a review as it helps others find us. If you have any ideas or suggestions, I would love to hear them. So email me at Mimi at the See you next week and thank you for listening.